Welcome to Sisterhood, the show where women confess their challenges and confront their insecurities and together figure out what to do about them. Our focus on the first episode is about the burden of a brown woman, how she navigates personal and public spaces that validate her existence just by her skin color. Growing up, Indian women all over the world have been told, "Dud se na hao, besan se apna mood ho, gori chitti banu," so that you can grow up and get married as a beautiful woman. Having been constantly reminded that women are only about their beauty and that too, fair skin, this has been a big confidence crusher across the country. Why is that the case, and what can be done to change it? Several women across the world, whether as Instagram influencers or beauty pageant winners, are now championing the idea of us celebrating our own skin—the brown women no longer having the burden of being brown, celebrating our heritage, our skin color, and also what we stand for. Because after all, our skin is not who we are; it is much more than that. The change may be slow, but it's starting. Women are pushing back from these age-old prescriptive ideas of beauty and asking for their space. My guests today are three powerful women: Maria Thatil, Miss Australia Universe, who's been derided for being the shortest woman to win the pageant, and whether or not she truly represents Australia because she's brown-skinned. She is a confident young woman, and you will hear it from her on point. Also joining us on the show is Jewel Mary, who went from being somebody who was truly underconfident about herself, being raised to believe that the fairer skin was the winning skin, to becoming an actor and fulfilling her dreams. How did she make the crossover, and what did it really take? Shivani Bafna is an Instagrammer who is making videos to question as well as normalize how South Asian women think of themselves. And why are they uncomfortable or validated by somebody else's idea of beauty? So, Shivani, part of uh, this cultural context that we have comes from books, but a great deal of that comes from the fact that we face this every single day. This is a reality we hadn't planned for. How have you dealt with it? I think you know, growing up, uh, you go to someone's house, you go to some aunties, you go to some masi's house, and the first reaction is like. अरे बेटा कितनी गोरी है लाइक कितनी सुंदर है एंड एज अ किड वेन यूर बींग कॉम्प्लीमेंटेड एंड यूर बींग टोल्ड यू आर प्रिटी बिकॉज ऑफ दिस यू टेक इट एज अ कॉम्प्लीमेंट लाइक आई एम नॉट टेकिंग इट लाइक एज एनीथिंग दैट्स प्रॉब्लमैटिक विथ दिस एंड आई थिंक इट वॉज ओनली इंटिल यू बिकम लो बट मोर अवेयर वन आई वॉज इन हाई स्कूल कॉलेज दैट यू स्टार्ट observing the way that they would comment on you versus the way that they would comment on my own brother or that they would comment or like even nicknames right that are given that you're just like this is not okay like why are we even commenting on my skin color is being good and my cousin or friend or whatever of not being good as an indian american living in the us what has been your experience growing up what incidents shaped your thinking about the importance of color i remember like 
fifth, sixth grade, my mom, like, I don't know, for whatever reason was like, no, you're not going to shave. You're not going to wax. Like you're too young for all of this. You come in, you have like a mustache and eyebrows are not made. And like people would say, oh, mustache girl, mustache girl in gym class, you're like wearing shorts. And it's just like embarrassing. And I think over time, it's one accepting that this is a part of high school and there are a lot of assholes or like rude people that will say these things. But then I think ultimately it's growing into your own skin, right? And realizing that like beauty is so much more within. It's like in your personality. Like there will always be women that we find hotter and more attractive and thinner. But I think we all have like our own USP, I feel. And yeah, I think a lot of it was just time. Joining me now is Maria Tatil, who is the Miss Australia Universe. They call her the shortest uh, winner. At, of the pageant and also are celebrating her uh, as an icon of brown women who's made it big, but not without criticism. She has constantly seen uh, double-edged conversations about how uh, the idea of beauty has changed and how a dark-skinned woman is now leading the face of Australia. Can she really be representative and so on? How is she dealing with this? Maria, thanks very much for joining me. Uh, there has been so much celebration of brown women at one end, but at the other, an equal increase and rise of criticism of brown skinned people across the world. And you're facing it firsthand. I think it's not necessarily a reinforcement, but I think because of the Black Lives Matter movement in 2020, we have now seen momentum given to these movements that have long needed attention. I think because of the momentum it's gained and all of a sudden people are hyper aware of the issue and it's in people's faces when you are finally addressing a problem that for long has been swept under the rug, it's going to be met with resistance because all of a sudden it's talking about welcoming in change and change makes people uncomfortable. The way I deal with it is thinking about how important it is for me to respond in a way that sets the tone for everybody else who is watching the way that I respond. So for me, I'm thinking if I was a little kid, like what would I want children of color, black indigenous or children of color to see when they're watching me deal with all of this? And I want them to see that no matter what happens, I still choose compassion. I still choose to educate. I still choose to lead with love. Maria, you grew up with biases, your own biases, internalized biases of the family, you know, and of course the environment, aunts and uncles. What were those biases like? You know what I thought I needed to do? I thought I needed to just change myself to assimilate to whatever situation I was in. And it was never an option to just be myself, to just embrace my hybrid cultural identity. It was always, I need to shed the South Asian side of me because I'm living in a vastly Anglo-Saxon society. And therefore I need to assimilate to white Western culture to fit in. Now people know they can't say some of the things they said when I was growing up. However, I was actually at an event on the weekend and I met a gentleman who said, hi, I've actually heard a lot about you. Um, you came up in conversation recently and they were talking about how perhaps, you know, is there a, a possibility that you were selected as Miss Australia because the organization is trying to appeal to a certain market? In other words, are you taking a diversity card? And I think the lesson that I'm trying to share that I have learned is that Black, Indigenous and people of colour have had to justify the space they take up 
for a very long time. And to exist in that space, they need to put up with abuse. They need to make jokes about at their own expense. They need to disown who they are. And that's just not what I'm about. So yeah. when I was a young kid, I put up with it. When I was told this by this man on the weekend, I said, actually, I won on my own merit. Can you explain exactly what you mean? And he was embarrassed to have even said that. When, when I say it's a brown girl's burden, what burdens are you thinking about? When I think of a brown girl's burden, I think of brown women having to transcend generational trauma, generational ideas of what a good woman you know, generation old ideas of what a good woman looks like and many social and cultural norms that tell her that in order to be considered valuable, she needs to subscribe to patriarchal ideas. Okay, and we're talking about ideas around purity, ideas around subservience, ideas around the ceiling of achievement that you should reach so as to not intimidate, you know, other people. Um, and I think it is a brown woman's burden to transcend that, to change that for the next generation of women to come after her. Now we bring you a special guest on Sisterhood, Jewel Mary, an actor who was constantly fed on a diet of how important fair skin is to a woman's life. Growing up, she was compared with her sister. Her mom often told her that she had to make more efforts to become fairer, to get the right guy, to get a career going and much more. Jewel Mary perhaps still hasn't come to terms with how she was raised uh, by a society that constantly derided her for being comfortable in her own skin. But today, as she's become an actor, she has become an advocate uh, against fair skin demands on women. She questions why women must constantly be put through such an upbringing where you start questioning yourself, you doubt yourself and you lose all your confidence. Jewel Mary, thanks for joining us. Jewel Mary, first, what kind of stereotypes did you face? Take us through your childhood. The color was a very prominent thing because, uh, you know, being a brown skinned girl, uh, a talented brown skinned girl in a group of students were always, you know, kept out just because of her color. I was, I was tall and I was brown. Uh, and if we check out, you know, while we were kids, uh, all those uh, programs where somebody has to become the bride who is the center, center of attraction, somebody who plays the princess, we were supposed to stand out as uh, bridesmaids or I was mostly given the part of a male. People compared you with your sister. How did that happen? And, you know, what did that leave you with? My sister is fairer than me. So every family function, uh, you know, every group of friends where we go together, people used to compare us and, you know, make problem between us. But uh, after some time, I realized to myself that I have to find a way out of it. My, uh, my way of finding myself out of that was to create a space where I can perform better because I was mostly into stage as I, to, to make myself come out of that fear, you know, being excluded like that. I was, I, I have faced this at very younger ages. You are so stunning both off and on screen. 
and it took acting for you to shed that underconfidence. How did you finally get to the dream role you wanted, which is to be an actor, basically? Multiple incidents where we are excluded out of the groups just because of our color or because of our, uh, you know, length of our body. I was excluded because I was too tall. Uh, I can sing, but nobody wanted to include me in groups because uh, my sound was uh, more nasal. People used to point out that. We don't identify differences, uniqueness in our culture. We identify them to be excluded. You know, we, we need everyone to fit into some standards which have been created by some people, you know, the teachers, uh, the parents, everyone follow these given criteria. Nobody is looking into how unique this particular person is. I was very different when I was a child, you know, I never fit into all these standards. So the first thing I found out was I can do mono act in youth festival or whatever given cultural program it is I can do mono act there is no group I don't have to get support from anybody else I can make my own script I can go out on a stage alone and I can act it out so that was a real fight you know once I'm getting on that stage all these fears will come creeping into my mind but somehow I found my strength at a very young age to fight back and I mostly did male characters when I do mono act or, or drama it gave me that, you know, that sense of strength, uh, you know, to break those stereotypes. I, I used to play villain characters in dramas. I used to play the antagonist. So that was a, you know, that was a way of pursuing strength into my own self while I was growing up. You said that you used to play villains, male characters, and this was because there was an inherent sense of upset with your own body and who you were, uh, you know, big, tall, dark. How did that happen? Why did you, why did you think it was important to play a male role or a villain? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe my features were more, uh, you know, masculine when I was young. I was very thin when I was a teenager and uh, my sound is a little bit hoarse. You know, people doesn't tend to identify me as a feminine thing. That, that, that you know, standardized feminine doll kind of figure I didn't have. And I was very outspoken when I was in my younger ages. I used to question things. So that image, you know, that image of growing up into a uh, an outspoken uh, rebel kind of character. You know, I was becoming more defensive about the people who questioned me by becoming... Uh, you know, more attracted to these feminine, uh, you know, masculine traits as a teenager. That was my kind of defense mechanism. As an actor, that way I have explored more into, uh, you know, spaces that usually females doesn't get to uh, try on. What was the worst thing that your family told you? She has only told me that you have to become, you know, uh, you you need to lighten your skin you need to look better you know otherwise you do, you won't get anything in your life i i now she's seeing me and still it is difficult for her to accept her idea of success is different her idea of happiness is different for her the the woman must be married she must have kids at certain age she must look like this that you know i can't do anything about it it has been taught to her by her mother, from her grandmother to her mother. So this is coming through generations. Only now I'm listening or I'm hearing women talking about this in such platforms. 
So there you have it, hearing from three powerful women what it takes to experience criticism and discrimination on the basis of color anywhere around the world when you are a brown woman. What will change that? Well, perhaps the day we stop packaging stuff in little tubes and selling it as what will fare your skin or what will bleach your color from dark to beautiful and white and ask ourselves, is this why we came to the world? Ask ourselves that perhaps it's time for us to forget falling in love with the idea of beauty as prescribed by others and falling in love with ourselves for who we are, how we want to be and what we stand for. Remember to tune in to all other episodes of Sisterhood and we look forward to keep at it, bringing new issues, new elements, new discussions, new faces, new voices to discuss the world that is shaping right before us. Thank <laughs> you.